0: Welcome to the Wealth and Wellness Podcast with me, Kaylee Boisvert. I specialize in helping people to achieve their financial goals. I have a love for all things numbers, and I am passionate about financial literacy. My goal is to spark healthy and positive conversations around wealth and investment, And create a world where nobody is limited by their financial situation but wealth is just one piece in the equation of living our best lives so join me as we explore both wealth and wellness topics from your net worth to your self-worth get ready to take confident action hello this is kaylee and welcome to the wealth and wellness podcast November is Financial Literacy Month here in Canada. so I wanted to make sure I did a very financed or money focused episode this month. So a question that people often have when it comes to investing relates to you know where they should be doing their investing. And the question is, should I be using my TFSA account versus, should I be using an RSP account? So TFSA, Tax-Free Savings Account, versus the RRSP, Registered Retirement Savings Plan. And just understanding, you know, which would be best to invest in, um, what are some of the differences between the two. So that's what I want to chat about here today. So this episode is all about the RRSP versus the TFSA. Now, before I get started and dive right into talking about RSPs and TFSAs, first I wanna talk about you know an alternative outside of those accounts. So what we generally call this other type of account would be an investment account or non-registered account or cash account. And these types of accounts can be in Canadian or US dollars. Um, the accounts can be individual or joint accounts, or it can even be like a corporate account. Um, However, these accounts are subject to tax. So that's an important consideration. There is tax implications on your investments in these accounts. So that's why generally people are using these tax-efficient accounts prior to using a non-registered account. So people use RSPs and TFSAs because there isn't tax implications to investing in these accounts. So if you're not using those registered accounts, RSP, TFSA and you're instead using non-registered, so this investment or cash account, you will be subject to tax on your investments. And this comes in the form of um, any interest income, dividend income, or capital gain. So interest income is taxed like employment income in these accounts. So it's fully taxable at your employment income level and interest income generally is generated from things like bonds and GICs. So it's usually then taxed at the highest rate because it's taxed just like your employment income. Then dividend income, that's another type of income. So if you buy a stock and it pays a dividend, it would be taxed at the a bit of a reduced rate and that's through the dividend tax credit. So it's a tax, but it's a little bit reduced here in Canada through the dividend tax credit. So generally you're taxed a little bit lower on dividend income than you would on, be on interest income. And then you have capital gain income. So capital gain, um, it's actually reduced by 50% here in Canada. So it's usually the most tax efficient type of investment income and how a capital gain income or what it is essentially is um, the gain on your investment. So let's say you bought a stock at $5 and it went up to $10 a share. So you made $5 on that. Um, So that's your capital gain, but technically you're only taxed at 50% of that. So you would be taxed at $2.50 essentially on that share. So this is some considerations to have for that non-registered investment. And again, it helps just serve as a reminder then why we're utilizing RSPs and tax-free savings accounts because you don't have to pay tax or you won't have a tax implication on your investments in those type of accounts. So first off, then let's go into talking about RSPs versus TFSAs. And I want to give a quick kind of overview to show some of the, the big sort of or main differences between the two. So RSP, it's tax deferred. So what that means is you are going to be taxed, but you're taxed later on. You're pushing it off to later on. You're taxed when you take money out of an RSP. So that's why we say tax deferred. Versus a TFSA is tax sheltered. So it's completely sheltered the entire time. And when you take money out, there's no tax implication. RSP is tax-deductible contributions. So when you make contributions in an RSP account, you are getting a bit of a tax break. So your contributions tax-deductible versus TFSA, there's no tax deduction for your contributions. RSPs, you will be taxed on any withdrawals. So when you do take money out of RSPs, you will be subject to tax versus TFSA, no tax on withdrawals. RSP, your RSP room is based on earned income. Um, TFSA, it's a little bit different, and we'll go through that in a few minutes here. Um, But essentially, where we're at right now, your annual contribution room is $6,000 with TFSAs. RSP, it will have an impact on your federal income benefits. TFSA will not have an impact. Because when you're taking it out, it's still, there's no tax on withdrawals. So it won't impact things like OAS, for instance. RSP, it ends at the age 71. So an RSP has to be converted to a RIF account when you turn 71. And then subsequently, essentially, then you're not able to continue to add to an RSP account beyond that point. Versus TFSA, there's no maximum age. So let's start by talking about. Registered Retirement Savings Plans, RSP accounts. So these accounts are used to save for retirement. So just like the name, they are for essentially creating some income for your retirement years. You are, um, the earnings within an RSP are all tax sheltered. So money made on those investments will not be taxed when they're in the RSP. So, think um, dividends like I talked about before in the non registered accounts where they are taxable. Well, in an RSP, you could be making investments and earning dividends or interest or capital gains. And there's no tax implications when they're in your RSP. So, you don't have to pay tax on those amounts. However, an RSP is tax deferred. So, you will be paying tax, but it's when you withdraw. And when you're withdrawing for these, Of course, most often it's going to be in your retirement years and you are taxed as if it's income at that time. So you're taxed at the income rates contributions are tax deductible though. So that's really the big benefit to these accounts and why people like making RSP contributions because you do get tax relief by deducting your RSP contribution from your income. So effectively your contributions are made with pre-tax dollars and you get back the tax that you paid. So for instance, if you're at the 30% tax bracket and you made a $1,000 contribution, you would likely can expect to get back about $300 then. So you're getting back the tax that you would have paid on that money when it was paid to you in the form of income. So it's essentially you get back the tax. It's essentially you're putting in pre-tax dollars. You can think of it as Um, a variety of investments are allowed within your RSP. So anything from, you know, GICs, bonds, equity investments, mutual funds, ETFs, those are all allowed within the RSP. There's a couple restrictions to type of investments, but again, for the most part, most of your sort of typical type of investments would be allowed within your RSP account. Um, as well, with these accounts, you can designate a beneficiary or beneficiaries. So you can designate. Um, oftentimes, for instance, if it's spouses, they designate each other as beneficiary. If you do not have a spouse, um, you're able to designate anyone else. Maybe it's adult children or um, anything like that. Um, or you can designate your estate, which would mean that if you have, you know, your will would dictate how that is um, divided. So that estate means that the will will instruct what's done, but. Remember there are there is the ability to designate beneficiaries. And so make sure you're utilizing that feature because it's just very helpful um, to have that all designated and for ease of if you know when you do pass away. So we know there's sort of the there's knowledge on who it goes to after that, the beneficiaries designated um, and it flows right through to them. And you can change your beneficiaries um, and de- the beneficiary designation too at any time. So RSP contributions, let's talk a little bit about contributions then. So contribution room is based on earned income. So there's not an exact amount um, that you can expect. It will be based on your earned income. So it's not the same for all of us because we likely all make a bit different um, income. So keep that in mind. And earned income will include things like your salary, your wage, self-employment income, and rental income. It does not include investment income. So, if you have investments in something like an investment, you know, non registered cash account, and they're earning dividends or interest, that's not part of the earned income calculation for your RSP room. Um, RSP contribution room for the current year is always going to be the lower of 18% of your earned income from the previous year or maximum annual contribution for the taxation year of for 2020, it's 27,230. So, they change that amount slightly each year and it's inflated each year. So, for 2020, that would be $27,230. What that equates to essentially is you max out at a salary of $151,278. So, if you make beyond that amount, so you make beyond $151,000, you will only still have. $27,230 27230 as your maximum contribution. If you make below that, it will be based on 18% of your earned income. Your previous year's unused contribution room does accumulate. So it's not as if you lose it if you don't use it. You will have that amount accumulating. So don't worry if you made some contribution or if you have contribution room from previous years that you still have not utilized. That is still adding up for you. You don't have to worry about you know not getting that room for any reason. It is still there and it exists for you. The best place to find your contribution room would be on your notice of assessment from CRA. So that's probably the best place to go to find that information. Um, contributions. What else did I want to say? Contributions for the current tax year um, can be made throughout the year. So when we're making contributions, you can make them throughout the tax year. So if it's for 2020, you can make it anytime throughout 2020 and you have the first 60 days of the following year. So you have the first 60 days also of 2021 to make a contribution for 2020 and still be able to use it on your 2020 taxes. But keep in mind um, that you know technically the earlier you do contribute, the longer your money is in there um, tax sheltered. If it's you know so let's say you invest in January and it's earning interest or dividends, that's tax sheltered longer than if you were to wait for the very last day for RSP contributions, for instance. Um, but that first sixty days, what's great about that is it gives us some time. Oftentimes people like to you know do some sort of calculations to see, okay, if I made a contribution of $2,000, you know, what could I expect back? And they, then you can kind of sim, do a few simulations and see how it would look for different amounts um, just to start maybe targeting kind of taxable what you want that to look like. So that's why we get that first 60 days as well. So it gives you some extra time to kind of figure that out, your tax situation. Um, you can wait till then you get your T4 um, for the 2020 tax year, and that might help then. Um, Help you plan for how much you would want to do if you're really looking to um, maximize your return or making sure you're not paying in taxes to have that offset some of it. So that's why we get the first 60 days as well. Um, RSP withdrawal. So I want to talk about taking money out of your RSP. So, absolutely, you're able to take money out, it's not trapped in your RSP. However, you will be subject to tax. And at first hearing that, you might be like, or what the heck? CRA always finds ways to tax us and take money, but do remember that you receive that tax back when you put the money in an RSP. So it's not like they're double taxing you. You got the money, the tax back up front when you put the money in. So when you pull it out of an RSP, you will be subject to tax. And withdrawals from an RSP um, are subject to being taxed at source on these amounts. So 10% on amounts up to $5,000. You will be taxed 20% on amounts up to, or sorry, over 5,000, but up to and including 15,000. And then you will be taxed 30% on amounts over 15,000 if you're withdrawing them from your RSP. Um, But of course, keep in mind though, again, if you need that money, completely okay, you can take the money out. So where we're at right now, for instance, with COVID, people have lost jobs. If you're not receiving a source of income and you need to tap into your RSPs, that is okay. If that's the only source you know, of of money that you can access right now, you can do so. You will have to pay those tax amounts. However, if you have lost your job, you're not earning much money. It's not like you're in a very high tax bracket likely. So you should have, you know, not as as high tax implications as if, for instance, let's say you were working full time and then did an RSP withdrawal during the year, it might be, you know, quite a bit of tax you're paying because, um, those tax amounts I gave you are actually just what's taken off right away when you do the withdrawal. However, it might not be enough to account for the tax you owe based on your tax bracket. So if you took out 15000 but you were working as well throughout the year, and let's say you're at the 40% tax bracket, just because they've already taken off 30%, you are still likely owing a little bit more because you're at a higher tax bracket. So Again, if you have to use it though in years where you're not working and things like that, the tax implication will likely be lower for you. Okay. And then, of course, though, we like to make things complicated. So there are some instances where you can take money out of your RSP without any tax implications, and that would be for the home buyer's plan. So it's essentially taking money out of your RSP if you're looking to buy a home, and you can take up a you can take out up to 35000 So it used to be 25000 was the limit. They've increased that to 35000 And you can take that out of your RSP. There's no tax implications if you're using it to buy a home. And you don't have to start paying that money back until the second year after the year you first withdraw. So if you took out money in 2019, for instance, then you don't have to start paying that money back until 2021. And... Um, Yes. So keep in mind, it's essentially taking money out. It's like an interest-free loan then. So it's very helpful for when people are looking to buy a home. It's a great strategy to utilize. And then as well, another reason that you can take money out of your RSP without tax would be the lifelong learning plan. And that's for financing any sort of full-time training and education. And you can take up to $20,000 for that. Um, But the maximum per year on that amount is $10,000 per year, up to a maximum of $20,000 total. So for those reasons, you can take money out and it's not subject to tax. Um, Some special considerations for RSPs. So you have to have earned income and file a tax return to create your RSP contribution room. But keep in mind, that's any age. So if you have a teenage child who's 17 years old and they are working and earning an income, make sure that they're filing their taxes because they're going to get some RSP contribution room. Um, They might not want to be making RSP contributions right now, or maybe, you know, it's not something on their radar yet. If it is though, it's a great, very diligent strategy, getting them started early. But even if they're not, um, still they're going to get that contribution room. It's going to be accumulating for them. Um, you can have multiple RSP accounts, but keep in mind that you still always have to stay in your contribution limit. So it doesn't mean that you have more room if you have more accounts. It's still that you have to be mindful of your total contribution room. Um, you can have an individual or spousal RSP ap- plan or account. What that means is so it could be in your name or in your spouse's name and why they created those was essentially to kind of level things off. Um, Tax regulation has really changed a lot in the last bit and they've made these, you know, kind of the, the benefit behind the scenes of why people would do that is a little bit less so because now for any couples um 65 and plus, you can do any pension splitting anyway. And that includes RSP or sorry, RIF, RSP or RIF income at that time is included. So you can also split anyway. However, um, that starts at 65 plus. So there still might be benefit to have a spousal plan. Um, the reason being, again, if you have one higher income earner than the other and they're making RSP contributions, then you can do some into your spouse's RSP and level them out essentially. So they're both at similar size sizes. And then when you're taking money out, that means you're taking out similar amounts for you both. Um, But again, 65 and beyond pension splitting really helps us out anyway. And we don't need to have these separate buckets because you can essentially split um, for that reason on your taxes anyway. But if you do plan on retiring prior to 65, or let's say you're older than your spouse, you might want to have a spousal plan because if you're Once you hit 71, for instance, and if your spouse is younger, you can actually still contribute to a spousal RSP at that point in time, um, even though you're not able to continue to contribute to yours because yours has converted from an RSP to a RIF, which we will talk about, Um, but you could be doing it to your spousal plan if they're younger. Um, Keep in mind too, if you have any sort of employee plans um, where it's your employer matching contributions, or if you're in a pension plan, That will reduce your RSP contribution room. So just be really mindful of room and really be utilizing those sources like your notice of assessment to figure out what your room is. Um, That's probably your best source to do it rather than just doing the calculation yourself, especially if you're participating in those plans because the amounts that your employer is contributing is going to be taking up some of that room as well. Um, Excess contributions to RSP. So, you know, I've alluded to, you don't want to over-contribute. And the reason being is that excess contributions are taxed and they're taxed at 1% per month when you exceed your limit. However, you do have a little bit of wiggle room. So it's taxed if you over-contribute by more than $2,000. So you have a little bit of space if you accidentally do make a bit of an over-contribution, as long as it's below $2,000. $2,000, you will not be taxed on that over-contribution amount. Okay, so let's talk about now registered retirement income funds, which we call RIF accounts. Um, Essentially, a RIF account is what an RSP account becomes or what it converts to. So it's used to withdraw income during your retirement. A RIF account, you are not allowed to make contributions to. So essentially, a RIF account is paying you out. You cannot contribute to the RIF account. And it converts from so RSP converts to a RIF account, and you're required to convert by December 31st of the year you turn 71. And then at that point in time, it starts paying out according to a schedule the year following that conversion. And it's based on a percentage amount. But so essentially, think when you convert your RSP to a RIF, you will have to start taking out a minimum amount, and you cannot. Essentially, you cannot not take your minimum. So you are required to take the minimum amount every year. You can convert your RSP to a RIF before 71. However, at the point you convert, you cannot stop it or convert backwards or convert back. So Of course, if you're 71 and required to convert anyway, that's fine, pretty straightforward. But let's say you're 65 and deciding, you know, should I convert or should I not? And then you decide to convert. And then maybe you start working again and say, well, I don't actually need this income. Can I put it back to an RSP? Well, no, you cannot. So just make sure when you decide to make that conversion that you've chosen a time where you're okay to continue to be receiving those minimum amounts because it's the minimum mandatory withdrawal each year you have to take once it's started. Um, You can take above the minimum amount, however. So the minimum is what you have to take, but you absolutely can take above the minimum amount. Keep in mind though, of course, you're subject to tax. So when you pull money out of a RIF account, it's taxable as income. So it would depend on what income bracket then that that income puts you at. Um, The RIF payment schedule, you can kind of Google that if you want to see the factor that the minimum payment would be for you based on your age. So essentially though, you know, they create this payment schedule because they want your RIF or your RIF account, yes, to basically last you throughout your retirement years. Um, So they're taking out a certain percentage per year as the minimum payment, which slowly increases as you get older. Um, so it's, it's calculated based on your age and then it's, there's a percentage factor for that age and that times the market value of your account on December 31st of the previous year is what your minimum payment will be. So you don't have to worry about doing this calculation yourself, any financial institution that you're with, where you have this account, it would actually do the calculation for you. But just for instance, at the age of 70, it's about 5% the minimum payment. So you have to take out 5% of the RIF account at the age of 70. So for instance, if the account was $100,000 and you have to take out your 5%, you will be taking out $5,000 for the year. Can you take over and above? Absolutely. Um, just remember that that income though is subject to tax. Um there's a little bit different rules for what's called a locked in retirement account or RIF account, where you cannot just take anything beyond the minimum. There's actually minimums and maximums you can take each year, but I won't go into too many details with that. So if that's an account you have, keep in mind that you have to take between the ranges. And the reason being is a locked in RIF account is essentially created more like a pension um, account, so it was it was likely if you worked at a company and they were paying money into this, um, and you t- you maybe quit the company and you sort of transported this plan with you. Um, usually, if it's if it's a locked in pension account, then again, just remember you would be subject to those minimums and maximums. Um, so let's talk about TFSA's now. So we talked a lot about RSPs. Now let's talk about the tax free savings account. First, what I wanna start off by saying is the name is a bit of a misnomer because it's not just a savings account. So when we say tax-free savings account, it makes it feel like, okay, I have a checking account, a savings account, and a tax-free savings account. And it makes it sound like then you're putting cash in and it's in this type of a savings account. Um, But it's it's better, I think a better name for it would be like a tax-free investment account, for instance, because what is tax-free? What does that mean? Well, tax-free means Any capital gains, any dividends, any interest income, it will not be taxed when it's held within a tax free savings account. So if you own, if you buy a stock in your tax free savings account, you buy it at $5, it goes to $20. That's great. You made a $15 gain on that stock well, you don't have to report that on your taxes. It's not taxable because you held it within a tax free savings account. So the tax free, where you're really getting the benefit is on your investments, the capital gains, the dividends, the interest. So that's why you're utilizing a tax free savings account. If there's just cash sitting in there, um, you're not really sheltering anything because your cash probably really isn't Earning anything. So there's nothing really to be sheltered. Um, So for a tax free savings account, you can contribute any amount as long as you don't exceed your contribution room and you can withdraw at any point in time. So they're quite flexible, um, but there is kind of a caveat to that or something to remember when it comes to contribution room, which I'll chat about in a moment here. Um, Who can open a TFSA? So you have to be 18 years of age and have a valid SIN number and be a resident of Canada. So for instance, if you move away from Canada for a year or two years, make sure you're not making contributions during those years or you don't get contribution room for those years. So let's say you move back, um, you know, the years that you were away, you will have not received the contribution room for those years. So that's something to keep in mind. You have to be a resident of Canada to get that contribution room. Um, As well with the TFSA, you can designate beneficiary or beneficiaries. So very similar to an RSP account. Um, TFSA contribution room, so what is room? It's not as simple and straightforward as maybe one would like. So you you can Google if you want like TFSA um, contribution room limit and sort of see the, throughout the years what it's been, but it has changed. So these accounts were introduced in 2009 with a contribution room of a contribution limit sorry of $5,000 and it stayed at $5,000 until 2013. Then they increased it slightly to 5,500 where it stayed for a couple of years and then in 2015 they created $10,000 contribution limit. And then it went back to 5,500 for the next few years. And then in 2019, it was 6,000 as well as 2020, 6,000. And they have announced for 2021, it will be 6,000 as well. So your total cumulative contribution room as of 2020 right now is $69,500. And then of course, as of 2021, that will be $75,500. So that's where your contribution room sits. Again, why I said it's not exactly straightforward is it has been a little bit different throughout the years. Um, So again, you do accumulate that room each year, even if you do not file your tax return or open a TFSA. So if you've been 18 years and older, since 2009, sorry, when they were introduced, you will have that $69,500 room, even if you haven't opened an account or you haven't started using it. So if you think now that you're listening to this, you're like, wow, I'm really inspired to open that TFSA and and do some investing in it. Well, um, don't worry. You will still have that whole amount of room just because um, you haven't started one yet doesn't mean that you will not receive that room. And contribution room is made up of that annual TFSA dollar limit, any unused room, and any withdrawals made in previous years, so, or in the previous year. So how that works, again, it makes it a little bit tricky for understanding what our room is. So for an example, um, let's say someone was fully maxed out on their TFSA, so they've contributed the full 69,500. As of 2020, they are maxed out. But it's November right now, and they say, okay, I'm going to take out $20,000 from my TFSA because I want to buy a new vehicle. You know, my vehicle is getting old. I need a new vehicle. So you, they take out that $20,000 $20, of their TFSA. What happens is, as I alluded to in that calculation, you get that contribution room back the following year. So even though they were maxed out, they took out $20,000. Now 2021 hits, they get the new $6,000 annual dollar limit. So, new $6,000. But they also get back their withdrawal made in the previous year. So, this scenario the person took out $20,000. So, they get the $20,000 rooms back in January. 2021. So they now have $26,000 in 2021, not just the annual $6,000 because they made that withdrawal. So they've created actually even more room for themselves. So that's how it gets a little bit tricky because then if people are taking money out and adding it back, um, we don't all have the same room necessarily. So that person has actually created more room for themselves. Um, so keep that in mind as well. Keep back in that keep in mind that it you want to make sure you wait till the following year because you don't get it back right away when you take it out So if in that example I took out the 20,000 and then I said ah, can't really find anything I like I'm gonna put it back in and wait until next year to buy something If I go ahead and put it right back in and we're still in 2020, I've now over contributed because I do not get that $20,000 room back until the following year. So 2021 is when I will get that $20,000 room back. Not yet though. So make sure you're keeping that in mind as well. If you've taken money out and you are maxed out, make sure you wait till the following year to take or to put it back in. Sorry. Um, what else do I want to say? People also get a little bit confused about contribution room and the value of their TFSA. So where your the value is, the essentially market value of your TFSA is, is not your contribution room, right? So contribution room is what you've put in. So let's say you've put 69500 in, but now your TFSA, um, you've done some great investing and consistently it's been, you know, heading in an upward direction. And now it's a hundred thousand dollars. That's fabulous. But all that growth, if it was in the form of gains, dividends, whatever the growth happened or whatever form it was in, it's all tax sheltered. So you didn't go over your room because it grew. Um, because you still only put in 69,500. So always keep in mind that it will, you know, what you're putting in is your contribution room. What happens within the TFSA and any dividend income and growth and gain, it's all tax sheltered. So at that point, it doesn't matter. It's not relevant for tax purposes because you're not paying any tax on it. It's tax-free. So that's the, that's the benefit. Um, So a little bit of other reminders for people. Well, let's, Make sure we're being aware of over contributions because there is a penalty as well, similar to RSPs, and that penalty is also 1% per month on your excess. And, um, you know, it could take CRA one to two years to even notify you of this. So, really be aware of that because you don't want to over contribute. And then, you know, if it takes them two years to tell you, it's a lot of interest that has been racked up over that time. So, be very diligent with your contribution room. They're not that quick to inform you if you have gone over. Um, if you do withdraw and you have utilized all your room, remember, wait until the following year to recontribute. How can you find out your contribution room? The best place to go is your My Account CRA login. That's probably the best place, but be mindful of the date. So if it says, here is your contribution room as of January, 2020, You know, keep in mind that if you've made contributions throughout the year, then those haven't been reported yet. So if it says you have $20,000 room as of January, 2020, and then let's say you've added 5,000 through the year, you go back and look, um, and it still says 20,000. It's just because they haven't updated it yet. So you still have made that 5,000. So keep that in mind. You don't have the 20,000. You obviously now have 15,000. So they don't necessarily, they're not updating these um, maybe as often as we might think. So it's more, think of it as more annual or just make sure when it says it's as of the date. Um, You're allowed to have more than one TFSA account as well, but again, you cannot exceed your available room still. So if you have two accounts, it doesn't mean you have double the room. You still have to be mindful of your available room. Um, Only account holders can contribute to the TFSA. So you can't have a joint account either. Um, So it has to be just in your name and you have, you would contribute to your own, but you can gift funds to your spouse or adult children, for instance, for their, for them to contribute to their own plan. So it's kind of a little bit of a roundabout way, but you can say, okay, you know, if you're married and your spouse has some room, but you've maxed yours out, you can gift $5,000 to your spouse. They can add it to theirs. Um, Permitted investments, again, are generally similar to those in an RSP, so it's quite flexible, the type of investing you can do. Again, you don't have to use these accounts for just cash. They're not just a savings account for cash. You can do all sorts of investing. So think um, individual stocks, mutual funds, ETFs, bonds, GICs, you can hold all those types of investments within a TFSA. and now, so I've, I've kind of chatted about the differences between the two. So what RSPs look like, what TFSAs look like. Now the question comes probably to mind of, okay, then which one should I be putting in? Which one should I utilize? Um, which one's better based on my taxable position? So the rule of thumb would be this. So if you're going to be in a lower tax bracket in retirement, it's more beneficial to contribute to an RSP before a TFSA. If you're going to be in the same tax bracket in retirement, either or, it works out about the same. If you're going to be in a higher tax bracket in retirement, it's more beneficial to put money in your TFSA first and then your RSP. So let's kind of break that down to understand what that means and why versus me just saying, okay, here's generally what it looks like. So let's understand why. So when I say lower tax bracket in retirement, RSP before TFSA. Why is that? Okay. So think about it. If you're working right now and you're at the 40% tax bracket, so you're earning your salary and you are earning enough to put you at 40% tax. But if you think in retirement, you will be in a lower tax bracket. If you make money or a contribution, sorry, to your RSP account. So you contribute to RSP, you get back 40% because that's your tax bracket. Then comes retirement time and you go, well, I'm, I'm now in 30% tax bracket. So You've gotten that tax back up front, and now you have to pay tax when you're taking it out of your RSP, but you're only paying 30% now. So in your working years, you were paying 40% tax, but now in retirement, you're at 30% tax bracket. Um, so you got that 40% back up front, but you are paying it later on when you take money out of the RSP. However, you're now at 30% tax bracket. So you've saved yourself about 10% tax on that. So it was beneficial to put in an RSP. Now get the tax back and then pay it later on when you're in the lower tax bracket. The opposite scenario is for the higher tax bracket. So higher tax bracket in retirement, TFSA before RSP. So maybe you're very diligent about saving. You're creating a nice nest egg for retirement. You're like, I'm going to be living it up in retirement. I'm going to be making even more than than I am now. So that's great. Good goal to aspire to. I love it. And what that means though is if you're, let's say, in the 30% tax bracket right now, and then in retirement years, you're in 40. Well, if you made an RSP contribution, you got back the 30%. However, now comes retirement and you're pulling the money out, but now you're at the 40% tax bracket. So you're at a higher tax bracket. You got back the 30, but now you're paying 40. So you're better off to be maxing out your TFSA first as a result. So hopefully that helps. the The challenge or why it's more kind of a rule of thumb and not necessarily set in stone is there's a lot of unknown factors in this, right? So the unknown factors being, well, how do I know what tax bracket I'm going to be in in retirement? And that's going to depend on a few factors like how much you're saving, how much your savings are growing, that compounding, things like that. You won't necessarily know what you're going to have in that retirement nest egg exactly to the T kind of thing or to the dollar until you actually get to that point because it's also based on rate of return and we don't know that until it actually happens. But as well, we don't know tax brackets. So where we're at right now with tax brackets um, you know it's it's set out with these are the tax brackets based on the different income levels but with everything that's gone on with covid and a lot of government spending you know what's what people are talking about is that taxes are likely going to have to go up in the future so we don't know for sure the answer to that but if taxes do go up And you were thinking, well, I'll be in a lower tax bracket in retirement. But then if the tax rates go up, we can't say for sure if that's gonna be the case. So that's another unknown. And again, it's unknown until it actually happens. So we we don't really have a crystal ball. We're not able to see what that's gonna look like until it occurs. So unfortunately, we won't know the exact amount um, until things like this actually happen and take place. But still, these are all important things to know. And Either way, you're always more beneficial to be putting your investments into these vehicles like a tax-free savings account and an RSP because, as we alluded to, you're saving on any sort of capital gains um, tax amounts or dividends or interest income. It's all tax shelter. So you're still obviously better off to be putting these investments in these tax sheltered vehicles, but it's just a matter of if you're deciding, you know, which one before the other, we don't necessarily have the exact answer, but this is the rule of thumb to consider. So hopefully that was helpful. Um, and hopefully you enjoy this episode. It's maybe given you some food for thought and hopefully it has inspired you to also take confident action. Uh, Thank you so much for listening and hope you've spent some time working on your financial literacy for this November um, just by listening to this podcast. You have done so, so gold star for you. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time. Bye. I hope you found value in this episode and because I'm such a proponent of taking confident action I want to pose a question to you the listener. What is one action that you feel inspired to take after listening to today's episode? If you enjoyed listening please subscribe and share with your friends and family. Thank you so much and I will catch you next time.